What's up, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Stream Team, your new favorite movie podcast. I'm here with my my esteemed colleagues, Chris Lowry and Cole <laughs> Miller. We are, uh, I would say we're somewhere between expert and novice movie watchers. I think everybody's a little bit of that, but I think we're closer to the Somewhere close, humble flex, closer to the expert part of that. We are obviously three guys who enjoy watching a lot of movies, and, and we're going to come to you, bring in some of our favorites, some classics. Of, but we're, what we're going to really focus on a lot of movies that you can watch yourself. That's that's the biggest thing that plays into the stream team is movies that are actually streaming on some of your favorite services. So you can watch with us, you can watch before us, you can watch after, and be like, "Holy crap! I didn't pay attention to this part." Or "Holy cow!" I really do like this movie now more because I pay attention to this out of the other. So we're going to jump into our first few movies. We're going to start with a, a reboot of a classic. We're going into Blade Runner 2049 featuring the Ooh. ever handsome Ryan Gosling and a host of others. I think that Cole, if you were to, to look at this cast and you were to say that there was an Oscar category for most attractive cast with this win by landslide. Oh man, this is uh, definitely got to be a, a front runner. Um, you know, between Gosling, Jared Leto, uh, even with the messed up eyes, um, and then <laughs> you can run back even to the you know the the, the classics of Harrison Ford, still looking good. I mean, he, right. he even roughed up, being punched in the face, still looks fantastic. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I definitely would if I were going to set the odds, I'd have him as a favorite. I think it'd be really be up there. Honestly, it's hard to put a bunch of cast and you think about some of the, the better looking cast male and female together, but you know, immediately I think of oceans cause you have Brad Pitt and George Clooney. Oh, shit. Like yeah. The classic, yeah. right. The classic good looking group. And you have Matt, Matt Damon, Damon too. Well, a host of others. I mean, even mm-hmm. you get throw Andy Garcia and they put him in a, in a tuxedo and he'll clean the room out, you know? So it's, yeah. it's very difficult, but I've got to say they've got to be easily top five. If somebody wants to dive into the best looking cast, I think this, this has to be, somewhere in there but this this is a obviously a, a reboot of a, of a classic a, a movie that i feel like a, a lot of people even who didn't weren't familiar with the original when getting into this still could get into it and then you go oh you know do a little, little bit of research and you see oh this was a reboot and that's why your aha moment at the end whenever you do have harrison ford show up i don't want to jump into jump ahead too soon but it's a case where you you throw it to him you're just like Oh, oh my goodness. But Chris, I want to ask you, Ooh. is this this is this is a movie that I feel like without producers, directors, or actors knowing fans personally, I think that this is a movie that was almost written for you. I think there's a lot of things <laughs> that go into this movie. It's just like Chris Lowry special. If we were to make a Chris Lowry gumbo and it turned into a the movie, I, I really, I really do feel like this would be something. Outside of, I mean, maybe Interstellar Travel, is this is this a movie that was almost just written for you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, I think this is the movie that I probably like annoy people on the internet or in real life the most, like talking or mm. attempting to talk about. Uh, it's like, this is definitely a Chris Lowry movie. I love everything about it. It's like, I can't even talk about it now because I don't want to spoil it too many into like, like the things that I love so much about it are just just like aspects of the film that oh, oh we'll, we'll get there when we get there it, they're just like little things in there that like build off of like the bigger things and you're just like this is incredible why would no one why do people not like this movie how do people not get this movie and i think that might be something that um 
maybe it helps it or maybe not helps, but maybe causes it to miss some other people. There are some things that I think people miss that people don't take in and, and uh, really get the same way. But like I sit here and I get every aspect of it. And like you said, it just made me the cinematography, just like the themes that it's, it's certainly like a cyberpunk movie, but if I sit and stare at it sometimes, I'm like, there's a little Neo Western here. If I square my eyes a little bit, if I just square my eyes a little bit, there's a little, there's a little in there. (laughs) It it checks a lot of boxes, honestly. And I think that's why it's, it's one of those movies that let me ask you is it when it, when it comes to people who don't necessarily, I won't say don't like it, but who aren't just going crazy over like, like you and I are cold with uh, this movie. Is it, is it maybe because they don't understand it or is it because they didn't see the original? And so this is just kind of another futuristic movie that they trying to get into, but don't really, there's some things that go over their head and then people <clears> just lose interest. I think I'd say it's probably like both of those out of the people that I have had watch it or have tried to just get into it. Those are typically the two biggest things. Um, I just had a friend who watched it again because I wouldn't shut up about it on the internet. He's like, what is this on? So I can watch it. And I was like, here's my movies anywhere. Log in third movie on the second row. Go ahead. <laughs> right. and, um, and he, he just didn't really like it. He's like, I, I didn't get it. Um, and a lot of stuff with maybe the replicants and like, you know, who really is a replicant and who isn't. I'm like, well, that's also part of it. Like, there's a huge plot point of somebody thinking that they're not one. Like, the movie is kind of built around that fact that somebody, you know, is trying to really figure out whether they are one or not. So that's certainly part of it. People probably don't miss a lot of, or people do end up missing a lot of it and just not understanding it. So they don't like it in the way that, you know, three of us obviously do getting all the themes. And then a lot of people I know are just kind of scared to get into it because they haven't seen the original. And, you know, some people aren't super apt to watch a movie that's what going on 40 years old at this point. Um, So a lot of people just won't go back and watch that one. And I kind of tell people, I'm like, you can, I have watched this one and then watched the first one. And I've had days where I watched the first one and then I watched this one and like, it flows together in a way where it can work. So I'm telling you, if you want to just watch this one, you can watch this one in the parts that you miss. If you ever do get around to watching the first one, you know, it'll, you know, it's one of those movies you can kind of watch with the sequel being, you know, a prequel in a way. So, um, it, it's like, it's those two biggest things. They either don't get it or they're too intimidated by just how big of a cult classic the first one is. They're like, Oh, I've never really heard of it. I haven't seen it. And they end up just not, diving into it at all which is a real shame because it's it's phenomenal it's really good i i like i said i recommend it to anybody who just will remotely take my opinion on movies semi-seriously i'm like if you have to watch a movie i'm recommending you please watch blade runner 2049 yeah yeah for sure and it's it's it, for us it, it's casual it's a casual watch right like but it's really <laughs> heavy at the same time and so we can just dive into Absolutely. this thing and, but it, but it's so weird because when you talk about when I when I there's there's a series of heavy movies that I can suggest, but I would only suggest them to guys like you or people that mm-hmm. I know would take a movie seriously. But this one, I, I, while it is heavy, it's still a good watch too. And the runtime mm-hmm. on it will scare some people off because I know a lot of people now are just they just they're just not apt to sitting down and watching a movie with a runtime like this. And so while, while I don't want to scare anybody, you also want to tell people at the same time it's like, hey, this also has a runtime of. XYZ, but it, it is pretty heavy. But also, whenever I, th- I think of a heavy movie, instantly one of the first things I think about is seven. And I'm just not going to sit down and watch seven. I'm not no. going to tell somebody, like, hey, somebody's like, hey, it's Friday night. I'm going to grab some sushi and, and a couple of beers. Get any movie suggestion? 
while I love that movie, I'm like, yeah. you're gonna have a you're gonna have a really <laughs> tough night, you know? Like this yeah. isn't yeah, this isn't something I'm just. If gonna you want to ruin somebody's you. day, recommend right. seven. Yeah. Right. Tried exactly, to test that yeah. theory a couple months back, Keith, because we always talked about it. And I'm like, let me just try to casually watch it. So I was like, finishing up work and I was like, I just need something to put on. And I ordered some pizza. And by the time that he shows up in the police station, I was like, man, I want to do something joyous. I was like, you I don't want like, my pizza didn't taste the same. It felt darker in my room for some reason. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe he was like, I can't just watch this and have fun with that. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do something else. I might like, color. No, I don't know. Exactly. It's definitely not background noise that you can just mindlessly do something else. Cole, watching this movie and 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 you know it it is definitely a reboot from the Harrison Ford. And I keep yeah. saying classic. Is it you know when when the original first came out, it didn't it didn't open well, but it ended up being just like a lot of movies end up being being a cult classic. Do you think just at that time? I mean, this you're talking like you said almost forty years, nineteen eighty two. You think it was just. I don't want to say too advanced. I want. I don't want to say that the the audience was just not smart enough to get it. But it was just, you know, when you think about futuristic movies, because now when, when we're looking at movies in the future, I mean, this is twenty forty nine, right? I mean, we're not that far from twenty forty nine. There's a lot of things that no, are happening. Not at all. I'm like, man, we we aren't anywhere close to this thing. We can barely distribute a vaccine, let alone yeah, have a, yeah. you know do right do right. some of these things that are happening in this movie. But you know, when when a movie like this comes out in eighty two. Do you think that this is something that people just couldn't get into just because it was just it was there there was a small group of people who could get into it because they were considered the nerdy type, right? But now we could you would you and Chris go to this movie and we wouldn't be considered the quote unquote nerds, but it's something we can go to and enjoy. Do you think that was the case then where it was just the the comic books or the the prescription glasses crowd would only go to it yeah. and nobody else didn't? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think like uh, what's interesting about it is there, you know, if you look at the movies that were coming out around the same time, they couldn't have been any more different, um, especially <laughs> even like science fiction movies were very easy to digest things like Star Wars. And I know it wasn't the exact same time, but not a super complicated plot, uh, a lot of visual effects, things that we had never seen. And Blade Runner does that, but it does it in a very different way. And it also presents a very kind of dark, complicated story. So I don't think it was necessarily that it, you, because by all intents and purposes, it was a flop when it first came out. Mm, and now yeah. it has turned into, you know, a cold classic. There are people that, you know, are still talking about it on blogs and things of that nature. So that is what's fascinating is that I think just based on the time period, we just weren't seeing movies like this. And it kind of caught people off guard. Um, and that's happened every decade. We've had films mm -hmm. pop up that, you know, we aren't ready for. And I just don't think cinema or just the average person was quite ready for Blade Runner. Um, I do think it's interesting because if it comes out in 1992, uh, it's probably a smash hit. Right. Absolutely. Like if it, yeah, you know, absolutely. something you, we, obviously the casting would have to be a little bit different. But if you were to take that same premise and bring it into an era where we've had more science fiction films that have done well, uh, I, I think it it, it, it kind of hits home. But that is what makes it so cool uh, is that it predicted the future in a very, you know, uh, dystopian way and we hadn't really mm -hmm. seen a lot of things like that i mean i'm sure i'm overlooking a few few films but uh it definitely was unique in that and i think that's probably why it didn't necessarily do as well early on and i think that might have something to do with why blade runner 2049 didn't kill when it mm -hmm. came out in the movie theaters as well 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you're you're spot on with that. Honestly, I think it it almost just kind of had a stigma around it, and people. I, I feel like a lot of people did have interest in something like this, but it may have just been a little bit too much to digest. But like you said, fast forward ten years, you dropped this same movie, even if even if the casting was somewhere similar, because you know Harrison Ford at that point is is is, is way hotter. You, you talk about well into Indiana Jones career, amongst other movies, but he, he, this is something biggest movie star on the planet. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, you can just put his face on the marquee and he can sell whatever. I mean, it could be, it could be Turner and Hooch. And I know that wasn't, that was Tom Hanks, a young Tom Hanks, but Man, that would have been good. Because, <laughs> oh, it would have been great. You talk, Harrison Ford and Turner and Hooch. Oh, shit. All been a lot darker of a movie. He, it, oh, absolutely. Hooch. Yeah, he, Hooch. He would have put hands on that dog, definitely. <laughs> I think Peter would have had a big issue with that. And I think yeah, we, we may not have, Harrison Ford's career may not have taken off after that, but. This is this is something that I feel like was just a little bit ahead of his time. And then you come back with this reboot in 17 and it still may have had that stigma. But that crowd that remembers it from 82 or people who had talked about. I mean, these are things you put a face like Gosling and, you know, 2017. This guy's I mean, he's absolutely scorching. So, mm-hmm. you know, people people are going to go see it. You put the name with it. You have Jared Leto. You, and why people don't know Harrison Ford is in it. I feel like a lot of people who remember the movie we're gonna we're thinking oh he's gonna show up at some point he's gonna show up and i feel like when he dropped i don't want to overstep get too far ahead of what we're going to talk about but when he dropped i think that was the perfect moment it was to to me it was it was a jaw-dropping moment honestly when he showed up and while i was expecting him to i wasn't ready for it and it still it still worked perfectly but going don't you know talking about writing uh, movies and, and movie reviews and how people take to it this movie the, the reboot in 17 did well on Rotten Tomatoes, 88, 81. And while I know a lot of people it's really kind of dump on Rotten Tomatoes and it's, it's really good. I, I, I think, and Chris and I have talked about this at nauseum, but we, we, there are movies we're going to go see and the movies we aren't going to go see. But if there's something we're on the fence about, this is a really good test. Honestly, it's a really good place to go. A, good, a great reference to say, is this movie worth watching? You can just look at the scores and see if it's really high on one if it's high on the critic side kind of low on the user side more than likely again i don't want to sound like a road scholar but more than likely something went over the crowd's head and it just didn't didn't play out like people wanted it to but the critics liked it but also vice versa where a movie is really it high a lot. on the user yeah. side and it happens a ton and there's movie there's movies that fall in there that are really really good and you flip that adversely where the crowd really likes it and the critics don't it's a movie that the critics took too seriously and it just didn't take it for face face value a movie like a you know godzilla movie or something where the crowd is really into it and really looking forward to it and really likes these reboots and the critics are jumping on the fact that there's not enough human interaction it's like i'm coming to see a giant lizard spray radioactive radioactive (laughs) activity all over a city i don't care about dialogue between the main character and his and his wife you know but yeah, but there's no chemistry. Going. I'm just saying, no, yeah, no, none, there's, there's no whatsoever. I, I just I didn't some, buy it. You know, yeah, I wasn't radioactive background. How did he get there? How did he get to be so powerful? But it is it it it, it did really well. And box office wise, streaming started streaming in December of seventeen. It dropped in theaters October of seventeen. Ninety one and a half million in the box office and it's something that's still doing well, you know, DVD sales not included and all that, but that's a really good movie. And, and, and that it, it did well. I think it's still doing well. You can catch it streaming now on HBO max, I believe. And so this is something that this is a movie that people can jump into. And again, it's a heavy movie. 
but it, it just flies by for me, like an end game type movie where it just flies by. And I'm just like, man, we're here already. Cause you just, you get so much into Gosling's character and then you, you're, you're, you're figuring him out. And then he has his, his interest in Anna de Armas. And you're just like, Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. She's not actually, you know, you, you, you start kind of getting into her and then boom, Leto comes in and you're just like, Oh, and it just turns it. I mean, it just completely turned into a whole different thing. Cool. We, we, we dove into a lot of different actors just personally with text talk, whatever about different guys. When you talk about Jared Leto and the things that he, he has done and the things where he went to in the beginning to where he is now and how he gets ready for his roles. Is he, when you talk about a method actor are method actors, watching him get ready for roles or is it just something that he you, you know I, I know you can't say personally what he's gotten into but i mean you talk about a guy who absolutely dives into his role absolutely i mean you look you look at him in this and i mean he is he is dastardly i mean he's one of the worst dudes oh. like what the heck is going on with this guy like he's he's cringeworthy just watching yeah. him and <laughs> and like the thing about which is what's so impressive about it is he is one of the first topics that we've talked about since we started this pod, right? Since we began right. 15 minutes ago or whatever, Jared Leto was the first thing that came up. He's in two scenes in the two and a half hour movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he, yeah. he carries and they are in the same location. He carries so much weight and he is barely in the movie. I mean, just think about how good you have to be. I mean, I've been, you know, just a little bit of research will show you that he put in contacts that made it so he actually could not see. Like he was not able to see (laughs) while he was doing the scenes. And, you know, when you actually go back and watch knowing that he plays it like a blind person, obviously Mm -hmm. would. And he talks with his hands. He does you know, when somebody speaks, he moves his head back to them. It's actually pretty amazing, like, just how good he was at being able to identify what he was trying to be. Because the character of Wallace, which we don't really know much about, um, you know, it, they just didn't deep dive it. He was a new character added to this film. And he didn't have a lot of backstory. We just kind of assumed he's some sort of eccentric rich person uh that's a little bit quirky and jared leto just makes him into this evil like very very intense villain but in a way that you don't necessarily think of him as being evil right like you kind of are like <laughs> oh this seems like a cool guy i like to hang out with him but just the way he talked just the you know the scenery of around him and kind of what he was able to do with the other characters that he interacted with made him into such a scary and like i think one of the worst villains maybe ever (laughs) he like really creeped me out and and did so much with so little which i think was even more impressive absolutely chris is is this is this one of your top five villains and and a villain that you and i've talked about a lot and rightfully so a guy who legitimately scares me and when we're talking about Antoine Chagall, you talk about No Country for Old Man. And I mean, there's a scene in the beginning, he just shows up and you're just like, whoa, what's, I mean, you see he's, un, he's unhinged, right? And of course, mm. the scene in the sheriff's office, which is just, I mean, it, it you could lose sleep over that scene. You, it just, just the look on his face, the scuff marks, the way that the sheriff struggles as he's, as he's strangling them. But when you're, if we were to have a March Madness of villains, does Jared Leto's villain make it to your final four? 
Uh, at Chris, after you, before, right after you answer this, I got a very fun tidbit for y'all, but go ahead. Okay. Final four. I'm trying to think of who all I have up there. Because it's tough. I mean, this, this is, there's been yeah. a lot it's, of really It's Javier Bardem villains. twice, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Javier Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall right. He was unfucking believable. Um, no country for old men as well. Nine hours later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were already yeah. done with the movie. We were going home. Yeah, I was in. The, yeah. I was in the parking lot, and he showed up. I had to go back in. I thought the yeah. credits were rolling. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Uh, I mean, look, this this is a guy, and like Cole said, I mean, just a couple of scenes, and but you're you're terrified of this guy. This is yeah, like, a couple like, of scenes. Yeah. He, like, please, please go, please go, go back to <laughs> go away, go back to Gosling, please. Yeah, go back to Gosling for me. I would say he might not make my final four. He's like he's in the elite eight. He's putting up a good fight in that elite eight, though. It's I, I think that Cinderella story. Yeah, oh, like so he's, a 50, he's got he's a, a chance. Seed? Is that is that yeah. what we're saying? He's a fifteen yeah, seed. He's, he's William of Chicago. Right <laughs> yeah. Sister Jean would be. Proud. I would say Sister Jean's on yeah. his side. I think it's. It is interesting. It's it's like Cole said that it's a very Jared Leto way of playing him. Like I, I try not to do this all the time with stuff, but I think it's certainly a character that I'm like, I don't know if anyone else plays him the same way, you know, given the same script, given this exact same direction from, you know, Danny oh, there's Bill no way, right? there's no one else plays this exact same. No one else intentionally blinding themselves and getting that like complete feel for you know as you said he was actually turning his head when he was speaking and just you know how he talked with his hands a lot even some of the things when he was being hands-on the way he maneuvered you can really 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 get a sense of you know his hands are the only thing he has to kind of guide himself with this process of what he's doing right now um I don't want to say he's held back by the lack of scenes because that feels really intentional you know he yeah I don't think it was meant to have a very physical type villain you know this wasn't a really you know ryan gosling and harrison ford team up to fight this specific person so i think that the two scenes really 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 do serve to just as a testament to how menacing and you know how villainous he is you know he's in the two and a half hours he legit probably has like six minutes of screen time and his dialogue and the way that he goes about saying those things are like burned into my head. Like that head tilt he does, like when he's like kind of looking up in the middle of some of his sentences sometimes, like I can see that vividly mm-hmm. in my head. Absolutely. And, and, and so it's probably not, he's, if I had to do like a top 10, I think I'd put him there because again, like to have that little of screen time in a movie that's as, you know, deep and as packed as this movie is and to be, so impactful. You know, Jared Leto gets his rips because sometimes the method acting thing kind of goes a little too far, uh, and it it kind of his whole life is method acting. <laughs> like he's like a you know he's like a cult leader and yeah, you like, know, he's like he, a cult he, everything is, is, is. But I mean, he did a nine minute scene without blinking. Like uh, you know I, that is you know, like that is some next level shit. You know I just. Uh, but you know this is this is my tidbit. I want to I want to interrupt because this is going to blow the nine your mind. Blinken was not that. Yeah, no, this is no, mind. this is even even more mind blowing. So Wallace, the character, was not originally going to be Jared Leto. The original person that Dina Villeneuve wanted for that part was David Bowie, but David Bowie <laughs> died <laughs> before they could cast uh. him to do it, and then Jared Leto was an understudy. So just imagine yeah. like what that character would have been like 
as David Bowie and then imagine what Jared Leto brought to it and completely change that character. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead of who, who was the, you know, one of our categories, best actors, but I mean, he definitely has to be considered, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. But it's, it's weird. I feel like this movie takes a completely different tone. I don't know the David Bowie as, as Wallace, then to me, this movie just turned into a darker labyrinth. I don't know if you've seen that movie when he was the villain oh, yeah. with <clears throat> young Jennifer Conley. Wonderful. That movie, yeah, I actually just watched that the other day. It's, it's also on HBO. Look, HBO's Max catalog, they're also going to have to send me a check because I've mentioned them several times, but their yeah, catalog yeah. is off the charts. It, it, the, the kind of, all the movies that, that are on there that are available now, it's, I mean, I haven't seen Labyrinth. You can go to the Walmart three dollar bin and get that movie actually probably get that movie for a dollar 75 they'd probably give it to you yeah Yeah, and get a bunch of change back for the five dollar bill but to me i would just see all i would see is david bowie just singing the entire movie just like he did in labyrinth and it would just it would take a completely different turn in it and while i I know he would have done a good job but he would have killed it right he would have killed it i wouldn't have that's what's mind-blowing yeah Yeah. totally different character scared it's a completely different thing and while it it, you know I, i want my villain to be a villain I wanted somebody. I don't want it to be, and I love you, Jesse Eisenberg, but I don't want it to be Jesse Eisenberg in Batman vs Superman. I want it to be somebody I'm actually <laughs> scared of, Eisenberg. right? And it just, yeah. it, I just don't want it to be to be that. But like that's that's awesome. Actually, I, I had no idea that that was that was the case. I mean, rest in peace to a legend. But man, Jared Leto came in and absolutely, and you've almost feel like Jared Leto just he he was handed the script and he was like, okay. And just oh, pushed it this. to the side, and then he just <laughs> yeah yeah. Then he just went down into his basement with some with some with some, with this kale spinach drink, and just turned yeah. off all the lights and it sat smoked on, sat a bowl on, and covered his <laughs> eyes. And <laughs> sat like, on a mat. This is what I'm gonna yeah. do. Yeah, this is yeah. I don't read a script. Script reads me, right? He just went down there and just did it. He did his thing. But this is a refrigerator box. <laughs> so this movie is of course set in 2049 and it's not, but what I do like about it. And when it comes to movies that are set in a futuristic time, it doesn't feel overly futuristic. It, it doesn't feel no, it's more overly, dystopian, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it do, and I think that's more realistic and, 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 and done well as far as what we're actually looking forward to more so than the flying cars or teleporting from here to there. And you know, whatever time I'm, we're doing, there are some things that are just like, wow, that would be really cool to do. No fresh air. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have another. Yeah. No, yeah, they yeah. tidbit not to get to about that. You just reminded me of something, but go, I'll, yeah, I'll let no, him go. I just had to. Yeah. Yeah. Total put total recall of this together. And that's it. As we are talking about the air quality, but yeah, this, this movie to me feels more realistic as far as kind of where we're heading future wise. But I, I was really, gotta hope it, it's, yeah, I know, I know, right. <laughs> I, I hope, I, ho- I hope man. somebody, somebody steps up and does something for us, but that's, man, that's a whole different pod completely. But you, like you say, you talk about casting, you talk about the actors in this and, and, and somebody that shows up extremely early and caught me off guard is of course, Dave Batista, a guy who, <laughs> has really cut his teeth into the act. I mean, he has jumped into this thing. He's been good. Double yeah. feet. And he's yeah. been really, really good. You know, there's there's been several several wrestlers who've gotten into the acting game. Of course, The Rock is somebody who's going to come up. And you have John Cena has done his thing, and he's done really well. Even back when Hulk Hogan was acting, he was in, in several Mr. Movies. Nanny. So, Mr. Nanny, yeah. He yeah. was 
he was wearing an apron and cleaning house, you know, so there's been a lot of guys kind of follow suit. But I think a lot of people, when they think about actors who've made the jump successfully, one, the rock is going to be one of the first guys they talk about because he, but he just has such an electric personality. It just made mm-hmm. sense that he was going to be on screen in this regard. And while he was, I mean, initially he was a villain in wrestling and he became a good guy and then he makes a jump on screen and almost seamlessly, but Chris and I have, have talked about several times if we put both of these actors, if we switch their roles, are the are the roles still believable? And and, and honestly, Chris and I have both leaned more to more towards Dave Batista in a lot of roles in The Rock. And while The Rock has done really well in a lot of his roles, he's just he's the Rock playing playing himself in all these roles. Yeah. You know, Hobbs and Shaw and all these other guys. And while you go back to you know the Gridiron Gang and and and, and a lot of other different movies, Doom and all this other stuff. He, I mean, he's still Dwayne Johnson and all this stuff. When you talk about Batista, he's a real actor. Yeah, he's a real actor. I mean, like he is a, you know, in the things he does, you know, it, 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 there, none of the roles have we seen him in has he been like this loquacious speaker. He's been him, he's been this dark, brooding character like Inspector, like you were about to talk about. He was a villain, he was a bad guy henchman. He killed it in this. He's got a little bit more of complicated character to him, and he portrays that even though he's supposed to be a clone. That is an mm-hmm. old model that is not supposed to be giving away too much emotion, but you're immediately in the first scene, he's pulling you into, wow, this guy really does have a story. And right, yeah. he is the, in, in a lot of ways, he gets the ball rolling, right? Like that Absolutely. is, he Absolutely. as a character leads the entire movie where it's going to go and he has so little time to portray just how important he is and he really kills it like he he does in a way that you wouldn't necessarily think anybody else you know i i couldn't see the rock doing that and in doing it the way that he did and and really not a lot of actors in general that could do what he did with his little bit of time as well Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of actors didn't get a lot of time in this uh movie besides like the big names uh, and everybody kind of brought it to the table uh, when they when they needed to. Yeah. So talking about Batista and, and the things that he brought to this movie, I mean, that scene was extremely pivotal, Chris, and in, in, in setting up this movie and, and kind of going forward when it comes to ranking scenes. Or is this is this the best scene to you in this movie or one of the best scenes in the movie? Uh, I, I think it's definitely high on being one of the best scenes. I think I maybe have two or three that I like a bit more, but it's funny because they all kind of piggyback off of what this scene sets to establish. Like Cole said, this kind of gets the ball rolling and a majority of the movie kind of piggybacks off of like themes and things that are kind of presented in this, you know, in this scene alone, like this, the the general gist of this like confrontation that they're having and their differences or, or lack thereof kind of continue to perpetuate throughout the uh, the entire course and like the rest of the movie is just this scene kind of shapes you know and, and reevaluated differently um and i just it works so well first of all as we're saying bautista's performance in this scene is like it, it's incredible it it's the dark it's the brooding it's the way he's kind of responding like you do really 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 do get sucked in and, and stop thinking about them as just being act like you do kind of get sucked in and like yeah he's 100 percent a robot from a completely different era and, and manufacturing period from ryan gossing's character just in the you know the very nature of how they talk and how they're understanding the things that they're going about and, you know how they both think that this scenario is going to end kind of goes beyond 
oh, well, he won't kill me because I'll find a way to stay alive. It's it's very much the nature of how he was designed and he was made kind of protrudes out. And you can really get a sense for that in, you know, in the dialogue. But, uh, man, the scene itself, just it's it's the framing of it, I, I think, too, just kind of the way that it's shot. Um, so I think that the this actually is my best scene, Keith. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this is the scene of the movie that is – so good in so many different ways like it's funny it's it's fast paced it sets the pace of what you're about to, i mean just think about it like first thing you see this you know dissolute area you're you're he's flying in it, it's really intense looking it looks like a desert there's a dead fucking tree in the front yard that nobody knows why it's still standing and then he he just walks into Dave Batista's house and just sits down. Whoa. Ryan Gosling's character does, and then and just the whole thing like they're the the comedic uh, you know the comedic rhythm of Batista walking in and and he reaches up above and he's like I don't bo- the dirt doesn't bother me but you coming in and just showing up is 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 kind of a problem. And then he was like, well, what kind of farmer are you? And the guy reaches up and he pulls out live worms and puts it on the table and says it's a protein farm. And Gosling's like, oh, is that what the smell is? You know, so there was just this <laughs> character and it's funny and it's, you know, and, and, and then out of nowhere, they're fighting. Right. Like Gosling's like this is I, I try not to eat on the, you know, before the hard part's done. And they get into this physical altercation. That ends with Ryan Gosling getting his head slammed through the wall by Dave Batista, right? And so there's yeah. just so much to this, so much to this scene. Dialogue. There's not any music for the majority of it. So the way mm-hmm. that it was shot is dark. It's scary. Um, I mean, in in just the ending of it, Gosling just shoots him, and then the next thing you see, he's walking out of his house with his eyeball and a fucking Ziploc bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it, it when you're watching the scene, it's just like, oh, this is what we're doing. This is where we are. This is how this movie is going to go. And I just think that without that movie, without that scene, the film doesn't work because it is yeah. what you're expecting for the rest of the film. So that's why I have it as my best scene personally. And I know there are some others that I do like uh, a whole bunch, but I do think this one is just one of those that is a great 15 minutes of cinema. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, 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 you know, going three for three with this, and I, I know Chris didn't quite say this is this, the best scene, but I, I would, I would have to agree. It, it sets the tone, and it also it it it, it lets both of them, and it, it just it, it, first of all, it, I wanted more with Batista. Honestly, I was like, man, he's gonna, I was, he's gonna survive this thing, and then we're gonna see him later. But it was, it was still good because it lets you know what Gosling was doing, let you know what kind of per- work he was in, and it just leads into him going home and interaction with with Anna and, and all the different things. But this scene itself was just, I mean, we, I mean, you, you walk in, I mean, it's just an absolute just chest punch. As soon as a movie starts, it, it, Spot it, on. it lets you know what's happening. It, it gets you going. I mean, you're barely in your seat with your popcorn and then you have this scene, like Cole said, throwing you through a wall, you know, there's right. just like, it's, it's some quick, calm dialogue. You see what's happening and you're like, Oh crap! They're about to fight, you know, and then and yeah. then boom, and and the way that that, that the wall slam is also shot too, it's not just down straight down that wall where you can see Bautista throwing it. It's from behind the wall, and then you just see them. Yeah, he really threw it. his head it's, through yeah. that wall. <laughs> he, like, he, that actually happened, right? Because uh, it was too realistic to have not been right. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, it was right. That was that was seen like at the end of that scene, Batista probably was like, "Sorry, I got carried away," you know. And like, no, <laughs> yeah. it was it was good. No, it was good, and 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 it, you know, a concussed Gosling had to sit out the next few few days, but then we go into the rest of this movie. But I, I also believe that this is the the best scene just because you know what's coming. It, it sets you up really well. You understand it's a pace what's setter. Mm. It is absolutely, and and it, and it's great. I, I thought it was. It was phenomenal. Even without history of the original, if you're just sitting down and watching this, you understand what's about to happen and you know what you're getting into. I think, yeah, and, and to that point, Keith, and I'm, I won't spend too much time on it, but Dina Villeneuve, I thought, did a fantastic job of if you didn't actually see the first one, you didn't really need it. Like, you could follow right. along for the most part <laughs> with this film. Obviously, it's better to see that. And like you were talking about earlier, Chris, if you watch them back to back or insert one here, it's still a pretty easy e- easy film to follow. Like, you, you, there <laughs> are some complicated, you know, things to it, but not nearly as much as Blade Runner, the original. Right. I think um, before we get off of that scene, I I think that that scene is one of those that kind of is changed on a rewatch. I think the first time you see it, you're just, oh, you know, he's a Blade Runner. He's going about, yeah, he's like, business is normal. This is what Blade Runners do. And then the more times that I rewatch it, you know, just with a deeper appreciation, understanding for the rest of the themes and the story, you like, he's going to kill him. And you really just don't want him to kill Savage because you're like, oh, man, he's just doing this because he's a cog in the systems like there's no real reason for Sabra to have to die outside of you know the issues that they have with the older models and all that so uh that scene kind of shifts for me every time I watch because the appreciation that I have for you know the same I think we're in the same boat as Gossing is I just one of those scenes that like kind of uses film as a vehicle and we're in the same boat as him you know we're watching it and it's like business as usual he's a blade runner go kill him and he's like you know it's business as usual i'm a blade runner let me go do this and as the film goes on you know he has different it ideas turns his world upside down yeah and so like the next time that i watch the movie i'm like oh man wish this didn't have to go like this yeah 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 so, <laughs> you should have just stayed home <laughs> called in sick yeah. no, absolutely if, if that's what you're having to clock in and do is like man maybe i just want a desk job <laughs> right yeah, that's extremely tough, and that's uh, look. That's just your assignment. You go there, and you have a six. Well, how big? How big is Batista? I actually don't know his, but I mean, he's got to be six, five, six, yeah. six six. Yeah, that's just his weight is listed just as that. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Big as shit. He's a Volkswagen. Yeah, it's just you just walk in, you're just like, oh, okay, this is this is what that's I have to do now. Biggest human I've ever seen. Yeah. He's the the biggest person. And I, I like that. Tiny gets, glasses on. Yeah, they, <laughs> right, they're yeah. like stretched <laughs> around his fucking ears. But my favorite, I, I like the part when also, he gets, when Robin Wright is in the car and she's like, he looks like he can take your head off. And Gosling's like, he tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but he does. She was right. He I, looks like oh, he no, can absolutely. take your head off. Absolutely. You know, you look at the glasses and it's probably on. I think it had to be on purpose, right? Just to no, they just couldn't find to be even, <laughs> even more so show how big this guy is. Because honestly, looking at those, you're like, those are probably a regular size pair of glasses. Honestly, yeah, it's they like are. Cold, They're probably yeah, extra we can put them on. Yeah, right. Yeah, and just be He's like, just, oh, these. The average person could wear these, and then you put them on his face. Looks like Mr. Potato Head, you know? Just yeah. like, what is actually happening with this? But it's no, it was it was. Um, yeah, the, the best scene for sure. That was the pace car for this entire movie, and it was it was great. Going into I'm interested, the, Chris. What is yours? If it's oh, not this scene, yeah. what's your favorite? 
it's moving a little bit towards the back half. And I, I guess as we're starting to get into things, it might be fine. Uh, it is the scene that probably gets visually quoted the most. It's when, uh, it's when after Kay has left the place with all the, you know, the disciples and the other survivors, and he's walking on the bridge and he sees the giant joy advertisement oh, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know and it just kind of catches them at the end of the bad after day she was already gone too yeah after she was gone and, and it's you know a couple of hours after he found out that oh i'm actually not important i mean of course it's still important but in their larger yeah. worldview i'm actually not important whatsoever and uh the name that she gave him was you know joe or whatever and he thought you know this would make me feel like i'm an actual person i'm not just numbers and an alert anymore i have an actual name and it's joe you know that made me feel special. I'm, you know, repping with an actual name and then just the giant ad, which is like, you look like a nice Joe. So it's like, even his companion, his digital companion that made him feel special and made him feel like he actually was somebody in the name that, you know, he kind of got from her that made him feel again, like he was someone was something that was also not real at all. She's just pre-programmed to probably just say Joe. And so like, it's, it's, it's just a great follow-up to that scene where, you know, they let him know you're actually not the child. We all wish that it was us and, and all that. And it, it carries that theme. And it's really that moment where he has, where he makes that decision on, you know, I can either be sad as shit realizing that I'm not special and I can go home and whatever happens to those people probably won't matter. I'll pass my next baseline test. And my life goes back to normal or he's like, or I can, you know, do something about it. So I can realize that, you know, yeah. I'm not the chosen one, which I think was a great, um, subversion on that kind of trope especially in this film coming off of how all the ambiguity about the first one um so for him to you know be put in that spot um to have to make the choice also that's just one of the best looking scenes in any yeah, it's just a beautiful ever scene. To me. like that yeah. scene oh, is man. incredible i ordered a tapestry at that scene that i want to put on my wall but it's coming from <laughs> london and it's, it's trapped in tennessee yeah. right now so i'm like yeah. i don't even understand so that that is yeah that's probably a good my one, favorite yeah. scene again good just choice. the visuals it, and what themes it builds off of about, you know, you're not all that special, but you still have a chance to do something special. And uh, that that's certainly my favorite scene. Yeah. It's Chris, a good one. You put that bridge toe to toe with this, with the bridge from Ragnarok. Might have to, it might, it might, it might <laughs> knock the Ragnarok bridge scene off a bridge. There's a lot honest. of rain, a lot of rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, It's so, the yeah. ambiance of that scene. Like, it's it's like it's the little things like the things that Denny Villeneuve like just does for that scene. the bandage being over his face like just the way like the light is hitting the rain just like the stance how long the camera just stands on him looking with this like depleted look on his face that you know it cuts and it cuts back and now it's a look of determination it looks like it's frustration and now even you know you're sitting there wondering oh maybe he's gonna go back and be like all right i'm pissed off i'm not anybody i'm just gonna handle this i'm just gonna kill all these people or like or he's just gonna take his l and go home or is he gonna decide to do the right thing there's just a lot of moving parts in that scene that has him standing completely still that i'm just like this is this is excellent this is this is the pivotal like this is like just the peak of what this movie is capable of doing uh and being just so good at so yeah that that's certainly my favorite scene well, absolutely visually this movie does a lot of things that are great and it doesn't have to over over stimulate when it when it comes to those scenes but the, a lot of these things are, are honestly perfect this is a this is one of those movies that i have quite a handful of them where whatever reason one, one reason or the other i miss it in theaters and saw it afterwards i'm like man this scene would be awesome in theaters and so yeah and i got to I, I was lucky enough to go see it in imax like the highest oh, definition, like secret. Oh man, it was unfucking believable. Um, Umbrella but, in there, good. 
the that that was the thing about it is it was so immersive that you couldn't actually appreciate how good the movie was until right. I rewatched it a couple times because you were just kind of in awe of how beautiful it was. But we, we don't have to go down that road. But yeah, it was it was a uh, unique experience and one of the I would say from like a cinematic experience, it was one of the best, beautiful, beautiful film. And you could just feel it through the screen. Eventually IMAX is going to have to come out with some kind of, you can, you can go to a theater, log in. And if you get enough requests for a certain movie, just log in or just play this movie. A waiting list. Whatever year. Just go in there. Yeah. You just have a theater of 50. I mean, look, I'll pay 25 bucks for, for, a, for a ticket if I could do that, right? Yeah, I would pay $25. Just, yeah, it was something like easily. that. Yeah, I think I paid like 30 yeah. so, yeah. Right, yeah, I was about to say, that eventually a regular movie's going to be 25 anyway, so we make That'll be daytime, matinee. Right, yeah. I went on oh, Sunday count. afternoon. Yeah, Sunday afternoon, I paid 27 bucks for my ticket. But yeah, this no, this this, this movie is, is visually, it's, it's great, I mean, the dialogue is great. And honestly, when you're looking at the cast, the it's not a lot, not a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oscar, Cinematography, Oscar best visual, um, you know, just kind of queen the category and definitely in a, in a year where that shouldn't have been easy because Dunkirk came out the same year yes, and was yes, one of the most beautifully shot movies ever seen. So um, that's a testament to just how good the visual effects and the, the cinematography actually were. Yeah, did, did did Nolan get get in a fist fight with him at backstage at the had to have been pissed. Has that been, I mean, they would have. You think they just stood there and stared at each other for four and a half? He laid a dude down minutes. on the beach and then set off like six <laughs> bombs in a row coming at him and didn't kill anybody on the set. Yeah, I bet he was pissed off. Yeah, no, it had to be. He, he just that was his. He's like, what do I he, have to he do? Shot, <laughs> he shot that scene and he was just like, "Yep, you you, you know it is yeah, just to himself." Like, he done. Yeah, didn't even turn to his assistant. Yeah, just like Leo sleeping in a horse. Like he knew he knew what was happening after that scene. But going, you know, going into our more, and we have a lot of categories to cover that we're going to dive oh, yeah. into in each, each of these movies. But your 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 laugh out loud moment. So you're talking about this, and this movie, while it's not a comedy, I think there's there's a couple of just like laugh out loud moments. But it it, it feels like they're needed because just kind of break the tension sometimes. And they're funnier because of it. Exactly. Yeah. You you get into a movie like this and you just need those scenes, honestly, just, just, I mean, not that you're nervous, but sometimes you sit in a movie, you don't realize, man, I'm sitting, I'm sitting upright so much or I'm, I'm clenching my seat or I'm, you know, I've, I've had this popcorn in my hand for seven and a half minutes, you know? And so then you just yeah, need you this bit off all your fingernails. Kind of relax. <laughs> yeah. You get in there and put all your hair. Like but I don't chew my fingernails. <laughs> I I would say for me, and, and I'll throw this to you guys in a second, but this laugh, out, and, it, and it, it was a nervous laughter more so than just like a good <laughs> barely laugh scene was when Jared Leto's first scene where he has the girl fall out of the, you know, the embryonic sack fall out of the Ziploc bag yeah. and just like, and he's looking at her and you're like, okay, you know, and you, you know, he's a creep or he's, he's kind of going over her features and you, you're, you're creeped out already. Cause you see, like I said, you see, you know, his eyes and you know what they're doing, but then he just cuts her. He just like, he just like, what the heck? <laughs> Wets her fucking guts, man. He just yeah. spills her, right? He spills yeah. her right there on the floor and, and you're just not expecting this thing. And you're just like, for me, it was just a nervous, like, ha 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 ha. Okay, yeah. like why you is know? this happening yeah right what what did he just spill this girl all over i mean and you know he spent all this time cultivating her and, and trying to get all these things yeah she right. was the and new model like, 
Yeah. He was, it, yeah. it was at the beginning of the scene and said, we need you to check. You said you wanted to look at the new model and he cut her in fucking half. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like, that's, that sets even it, yeah. Elon, yeah. Elon Musk was even like, Whoa, wait a second. It's just it's a little bit far. too much yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So that was, for me, that was my scene. And like I said, it wasn't a, a tearjerker, but it was just kind of like, it was a, I won't call it an LOL. It was a nervous chuckle moment for me. Chris, right. what would you have as your tension breaking laugh out loud moment? Um, I, I want to say the wall thing early on when he, when, you know, they're, you can tell they're about to get into some kind of fight and then it's just kind of silent and then you just hear like the beating on the wall. I think that's one, but I, I might <laughs> he go his ass later. Yeah, like yeah, he, just, he throws him right yeah. through the wall. Yeah. I might dig a little it's deeper and go with something yeah. later just because that was so early on. So we hadn't really had, you know, that long standing kind of way that the movie rolls before we get to a funny moment. I can't remember if you said you like this moment too, Cole, but when him, when Ryan Gosling, when they find Deckard and they're fighting in the casino and they're just hitting each other and Elvis is just on in the background. They're having oh, a yeah, yeah. fight to the death in the casino. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. Elvis is just on. That was one of my, that was my second favorite scene of the whole film. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's not really a fight. It's just Harrison Ford punching Ryan He's Gosling. throwing the like, oldest old man punches <laughs> I have ever seen. Yeah. Like, like I didn't uh, see that Muhammad movie. Ali later in his career, like <laughs> it was just oh definitely these yeah. full elbow like fist punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is the movie where Sylvester Sloan and Robert De Niro that comedy they fight. Grudge I haven't match. seen that grudge match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it. <laughs> no, you, 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 you're Ford, not missing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he's punching Ryan Gosling is exactly how I imagine they fight yeah. in that time. With like it's it's full body. He's swiveling his hips. He's like, having to like step yeah. into it and like swivel back the other way just to do enough to hurt him. And I mean, Kay is just kind of eating. Him. He's like, I'm trying him. to talk to you. Please don't punch me. Hold on. We need to talk. It, it's, it's hilarious. Elvis kicks on and Harrison Ford looks like he's fighting for his life. And Kay is like, man, please stop hitting me. I have like two questions. That, yeah, that yeah, just, yeah. Everything about that scene is just funny. Harrison Ford says, Can we, do you want to keep this up or do you want to get a drink? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I actually, I've got two um, that weren't mentioned, which I'm surprised by. Um, first one was kind of just a small LOL moment, but it was right when, uh, Robin Wright, which was Kay's boss, was uh, <laughs> he, it was killed by Jared Leto's henchman um, Sylvia Sylvia Hoax, who, whose character's was name is Love. Love. Um, she basically uses her head to get the the uh, the facial recognition on the computer to work. Oh, she yeah. just drops her fucking head <laughs> like that. Just killed me. She was just like, "All right, it worked," and then just dropped her face <laughs> on the table. Uh, but I think the the one that actually made me laughed so hard that I fell off my couch. And this was serious. I fell off of my couch. Uh, it was right. We didn't know that there was going to be any funny moments just yet. Like there, the, you know, there was that small comedy at the beginning, but it was right when Gosling goes to Wallace, Wallace's like corporation headquarters. <laughs> and he was going to investigate the hair molecules of the character that they found um, and kind of just get more information on her. Uh, and he's talking to the guy at the front office who's this just ugly, like, I, I think they were like, let's find the person that looks the most like an alien so he can play this position, <laughs> you know, play this character. And they're walking yeah, through the archives. 
Yeah, he, they're walking through the archives and the guy's like asking him about the blackout. And he's like, I wasn't alive. And he's like, my mom still cries over the baby pictures. And Ryan Gosling goes, well, that's a shame because he must have been adorable. And he just <laughs> is the ugliest, the ugliest guy. And it was just like stone cold. Like it was like, oh, that's a shame. You must have been adorable to this just anyways that scene just kills me i I don't know why but i i fell on the floor uh because i just wasn't ready for it and you know it was a pretty serious like what they were discussing was a serious topic and it was just a great comic relief for me um and one that i'm i'm not i like i can't back this up with fact but i'm pretty sure it was ad-libbed i was just about to say you feel like a scene like that or a moment like that because it was too good as ad-libbed it was too good and you just like I don't know if anybody just sat this, but you just sat down and wrote this, but you feel like Gosling just in the moment, just dropped this line and, and they're like, no, leave this thing because it works. And that's the beauty of a lot of these movies. When you get guys who have been in front of and behind the camera a lot, they, things like that happen. And I know there's a lot of actors that, you, you know, the Jonah Hills and Seth Rogen's up when all those guys get together, Jason Segel, they get together. And I mean, it's, I don't even know if there is a script. They just roll the camera for however, you know, 17 days and they just throw together whatever movie comes out of it but scenes like that you just when you know they're they're unscripted and then whenever in in your research you find out they are unscripted make them that much better and it is incredible whenever it plays out on on camera yeah it was just a a perfect little nugget of comedy in in an otherwise pretty serious film uh and they did a good job of putting in others as well um, throughout the movie like that yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk about throughout the movie and, and just performances overall, there's several, several heavyweights. I mean, it's you my favorite category. That have, have, you, have, <laughs> you, have, you have Harrison Ford, of course, you have Gosling, you have Leto, you have Batista, you have all these guys, but whose rent was due absolutely just brought, you know, you bring them in and you just, you know, off the bench, triple double, you know, you just you, you're the the game MVP or whoever. For me, uh, rents do it. It had to be let for somebody to be that captivating and that little bit of time that he, he just got the direction. He's like, look, I don't know how much you're gonna be in this movie, but I just need you to come in, throw 101 miles an hour, just strike out the side, and just close this game out for me. What can you do? And he just like, just give me the ball, coach. I feel like it was Leto. Absolutely, rent was due, and he paid paid it off. Yeah, so I, I think Jared Leto's a, definitely the, the the easy answer here. Um, but I actually went a little bit of a different way. Um, I went with Sylvia Hoax, who played okay. Love, um, <laughs> yeah. because in every scene it, she acted as if she was not going to get another scene, and was just <laughs> unbelievable in every moment. Like every scene she was in, and there were a lot of them because she kind of turned into the character, you know, kind of the villain in a way, but she played it so subtly that you didn't necessarily see her as the villain. But when she was crushing that glass in in, in Robin Wright's hand and was just like, uh, you know, making all these crazy faces and expressions and the scene at the very end when she was trying to whoop Ryan Gosling's ass, but she was just worried about being the best replicant. Um, mm. She just brought it the whole movie. And I, I, I'm very shocked that we didn't see more of her after this film because, I mean, I'd give her a 10 out of 10. She definitely was, yeah. the rent was due. Oh, absolutely. Do you think she got market corrected somewhere? You think somebody, even after this, it was just, you think she, 
she definitely planted her flag and she was noticed, but then somebody else might've come along and, and stole her thunder or probably it just a prob- personal. Honestly, there are so many things that it could have been. It probably, you know, the, she was probably offered a script that she took and it just didn't turn out being a movie that we saw. Yeah. And sometimes that happens with oh, actors yeah. like this where, you know, they'll, they'll do a scene and, or in a movie and they'll absolutely crush it. And then after they'll pick a script that, you know, just kind of flops and that's, that's, that's where they go. So I don't know if that's the case. Obviously I haven't, haven't super researched her specific career path, but it, it probably was something like that. Chris, who was a rent due for you? I'm going to say Ana de Armas was performing as joy, like her life depended on. I don't know if rent, like if rent was due, like <laughs> or she the landlord was the landlord was banging on the door. He had right. the battering ram. He had a cannon out there. Like the landlord was at the door. He'd been there for 30 days straight, and he was like, "Yeah, man. Once I get in this door, it's over. I'm, you're out of here." Yeah. And oh yeah, man, she's incredible. Her, like caught her in the hallways a couple of times. Oh man, she. It's. She was a real person, but she wasn't a real yeah, person. Yeah, like she wasn't like it, yeah. of course she she's you know, she's just the the I don't want to say like, what Siri would evolve to. It's like a step up from, you know, Scarlett Johansson and her because she's you know actually right. physical and you she's able to manifest and and just like the way that she's kind of performing on screen and maneuvering the space and really, really, you know, of course it's it's just cinema. Of course she's playing an actual person is playing her, but again, it's one of those cases where you kind of lose this sense of She's just data that's kind of stealing from how she's learning, how he feels about things. And that's, you know, her entire personality is based off of her interaction the same way with, you know, things that we have right now that are just kind of data mining and uh, like figuring she out really things, but, uh, loved him. Yeah, like, like she actually, really loved him and there was chemistry, like but she was a robot. I mean, she was a, you know, uh, uh, an illusion, I guess, is a, yeah, she's a hologram in love with the robot. And it felt warm. It felt like real, like you watch yeah. you and you're like, I feel like she cares about me to a degree. Like she's just so warm and inviting. And she's, she just plays that role so well. And I mean, and even in, it's kind of our um, first seeing her too. Yeah. I think that was one of the first things that I'd really seen her in. And, um, and that even kind of, kind of piggybacks, in some of the the scenes throughout the movie where it's an ad of her, like there's a couple of times where he's flying and he flies by her on like a giant building and she's doing something. And in my favorite scene, you know, and she's the big hologram and she's kind of speaking, even her performance there feels so different, but also so much of the same as her, you know, the personal joy that he was kind of carrying around um, to real. And I think she had to just give this real sense that she cared about him and that he was really, really special because that, helps that reveal that, you know, you're actually not that special. It kind of has that double layer of, you know, you learn that about joy as well. It just calls everybody Joe. So yeah. she definitely, uh, I mean, every time she was on scene or on screen, she, she kind of just stole the scene for me. So that's who I think was performing. Like just rent was due. Her life depended on it. No, absolutely. And she's one of those that who, who shows up. I, I really did just like y'all. I didn't know a whole lot about her, but then, of course, you see your knives out as as Marta, the mm-hmm. caretaker, and then oh man, it was just back. like upward trajectory after yeah, after, after right Blade then. Runner. She was just after Blade, yeah. She firing. could just she could just do do her own thing. I mean, even you go back to War Dogs, you know, she was the girlfriend of Miles Teller, and you're just like, oh wow, this is she's in this too, and then you just start recognizing. But that you know, of course, that's how actors and actresses go. You, you see somebody and you think, oh man, they just they've been they they're just somebody just started putting them in these movies or their agents or whatever. Then you watch a movie from eight years earlier. And there they are or whatever. And so it's, 
it's always interesting to see something like that, but definitely she, she crushed it. I mean, she, her, her role to me in this movie just fell somewhere between just like you said, Chris, with her and ex machina, where of course it's like, it's not the <laughs> real person, but you have the, you have the, the, she almost a person, but you know, you know, it's a program. It's a hologram, like a Siri. You, you could actually digitally see it. This is kind of where she would fall, but it was, it was great. And I, I, I really, really enjoyed the performance. And you could tell after that people were just her, her agent's phone was ringing off the hook, probably, even though I know it's a cell phone, not a line of landline. <laughs> you know, what we're talking about it was ringing, ringing yeah. like crazy. She had a lot of offers and rightfully so. When, um, so we're coming. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, 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 I say, got, go ahead, Chris. Uh, so I was going to say it's, it's just such a performance. Like when love steps on the emulator after they go get Harrison Ford, like, my stomach dropped. My mood was yeah. completely ruined. I was like, this, like, it felt like, you know, something was taken away from me because she just, she felt so personal and she was just so kind. Like I said, inviting that you felt like if she emulated out of his pocket and you were walking by him on the street, she would have been kind to you just because that's just the kind of presence that she brought. So love steps on the emulator as she's getting ready to sign. I love you too. I mean, it's just like my mood was kind of ruined. I was like, all right, man. I was, I know I was in for a dark and brooding ride, but I was like, let's, can we pick it up a bit? Maybe something fun will happen. And then of course something, something fun did not happen. They're like, you're not special at all. And so, but yeah. But well, let it. me ask y'all that. Obviously on purpose. Is there yeah. really a world where we've made it this far without talking about the weird robot three way? I thought about it. I was bringing it up. I was like, you know what? I should leave. We made I'll it an hour <laughs> and we haven't talked about a hologram robot replicant clone three-way yeah i think and i think that was on purpose i think we all kind of suppressed that and we're hoping <laughs> nobody would really step on that well, one i said she was my happen. favorite character i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. no i've gotten into dark territory here i you can't backpedal now no that's i mean we're here I'll, I'll let you leave that charge because i was going to dance around that topic <laughs> if possible no i l- listen i didn't tiptoe you know, enough with, Without getting too blue, I do think it was a brilliantly shot scene. Uh, oh, the scenes are lot. incredible. It, it was just a really good scene. I mean, it, you know, mm. it, I think it would do an injustice to the film without talking about the visual effects of it, uh, because I do think that all of the hand motions were like wrapping around each other's heads. There were two sets of hands going right. It was just a really well done, well done scene uh, mm-hmm. without getting, getting too out of, uh, too out, <laughs> out of line. Out of hand uh, with it. Very well made. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I think there, there's a way. And, and, and even as weird of a scene and you just kind of you're like, uh, but it was still well done. It wasn't just like overly gratuitous and you, you felt, you felt that there was a sense of like, we're not just doing this just for the sake of throwing this in there. Like, this has a purpose and we're going to shoot it this way. And it's still going to stay within the style of this movie too. Now, sometimes you see, we watched, we watched a bunch of movies and, you know, love scenes, some in kind of nudity. You just feel like it's just injected where it shouldn't be. It's like, this is round peg square hole. You know, like we don't, we don't have to do this. You can just keep the movie flowing and you can just organically make this thing happen. And it just, while it did happen and just like wow okay this is happening but it wasn't it, it wasn't horseshoe like, it was like shoehorned in by right any means. Yeah. absolutely <laughs> it, it was done it was done as tastefully as possible i got to right. this, yeah. i can say that you know and but this there's a lot of things you know visually cinematography a lot of these things that awards were won for this movie and you know we can jump into jump into oscars and and, and what it is won but as far as snubs go 
where where are we feeling about with this movie? Because it did win. Cole, I know Cole, you touched on that earlier. Yeah. It did win some Oscars. It, it, you think it was fair? You think it fell as far as what it won and what what it's up against? You think it was it won fairly, or you think it was a case where we should have done more or done less? Uh, so I think so, Keith. With this one, I, I think that it was it was snubbed, and it also did some snubbing. So yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that it was complete. Like, I, do I think it was the best picture of the year? No, but I think that it fits in a 10 category, like a 10 picture <laughs> category of best picture. Uh, there were only nine nominated. So it's not like one of them has to be replaced to add this one into it. And I definitely right. think that it should have been in that category. Um, but I think the ultimate snub that year without getting too off topic, I think Dunkirk was the best film of the year and it, it was shape of water that ended up winning best picture. Uh, so I think that in that category, I think, I think Dunkirk really got snubbed. Uh, and I also right. think that, in cinematography, it was snubbed as well. I, I, as much as this movie was greatly shot, I do think Dunkirk was a little bit better from a cinematography standpoint. I went back and rewatched it because I couldn't remember. I remember just being blown away by everything about Dunkirk visually. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. after watching this one, I watched it immediately. And I, I do kind of think that Dunkirk was probably a little bit better cinematography, uh, but visual effects were unbelievable. And I also think that Dina Villeneuve, probably should have gotten a best director nom for this. Uh, yeah, um, I 100% agree there. I it, just the in in you know to not get too off topic. I mean, he 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 directed this film, but his run of movies up to this point was just totally insane. Uh he kind of came <laughs> off the map. He did, you know, a couple foreign language films. Then he made Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival and this movie. Yeah, here's a little Blade Runner sequel. If you guys, yeah, if you guys answer like, that type of thing, here's this little film I got for you. <laughs> all in a row, just put out. And 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 I did a little averaging. You know, I'm a stats guy. Of the films he's made, he has an average of a 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes of those That's of incredible. those films I just read, which is insane. But I do think that this was a movie that they, it would have been easy for a lot of directors to lose completely, and he did not lose it because there was such a complicated plot to begin with, and he kept everything kind of as much as as long as the movie was pretty streamlined. So I think he should have probably got a best director nomination. I don't know if the win's the right word necessarily, but um, yeah. So to answer your question, I think it should have been nominated best picture. Um, maybe not win cinematography, definitely win visual though. All right, real quick, uh, what you, you brought up that absolutely just gauntlet a movie. He also has Dune coming up too, which is going to be an absolute. I've watched the, I've watched the trailer for that 193 times. If you're going to rank, <laughs> go top top three with just those movies alone, Cole. What are you going to do? Three three to one, real quick. Three, so you have the Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, okay. Rival, Blade Runner. What are you going to do? Top, Ooh, top okay, three, so... three to one. No, I know, I know. That's I'm putting a lot of pressure on you, but look. These are some movies that have to be ranked. I feel like when you're talking, yeah. about, this is one. This is a guy. This is not. I'm not, I'm not talking no, about. No, this is one director. Nominated. This yeah. is. This is. These are his his movies. Where, where are you going to do three to one? So I go number three, Sicario. Yeah. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. It probably could be number one. Honestly, uh, all honestly. of these are so close. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> two Blade Runner. Um, I think that this was a, a fantastic film, not his best. Arrival. Arrival is, I think, is one of the most underrated movies made in the last 10 years. Um, it's great. just so fucking good. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my three. 
No, I think that's fair. And, and Chris, I'll just let you know this because the reason why he ranked that number one is because he loves Jeremy Renner more than any the Jeremy Renner's mother yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why that guy. And Amy Adams, dude. Hey, right, listen, yeah. I <laughs> don't dispute it. I am <laughs> Arrival is also another movie that I force people to watch. Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 are probably in my top 10 favorite movies from last decade. Those are two phenomenal films that I feel were kind of misrepresented in different ways, uh, certainly at the awards, uh, Arrival, all the Less so with Adam Arrival, because it, it did get quite a few noms. He got nominated yeah, it, it Best got Director, the, well, Best guess. Picture nomination. It, uh, it, it did get some love. This guy just really knows what he's fucking doing. Yeah. yeah no, What's I, really I crazy not. is he hasn't done anything since. I know the movie Dune is coming out at the end of the year, um, and it's been pushed back a little bit, but there's like a you know three year period where he just didn't really make any movies besides work on Dune. Yeah, I would say yeah, he spent I, a I'm lot okay that, of time yeah. working on Dune from from what I've been saying. Bill New is probably one of yeah. my he's in my top three favorite directors. So like I follow everything he does really close and the work that he's been putting time. like it's it's like he finished Blade Runner. And was like, I'm gonna go around and answer some questions about Blade Runner. And then he finished like, Hey, you want to do a Dune movie? And he was like, oh, Let me get back up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've already been working on it. Yeah, 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 let me pack, yeah, let me yeah. repack my bags. Of yeah, course, yeah. I want hang to on a second. I put, park my, my, I put my apron spaceship. in the laundry. Yeah. yeah, I put my apron in the laundry, and I got. Let me go get it real quick. And yeah. back up and cook whatever y'all want. That's just the thing. Like you, you name just just off of those movies alone, you can just tell this guy just enjoys what he's doing. He enjoys the craft. There's a lot of there's a lot of and Chris and I've talked about athletes where it's like, you know, good, great elite, right. Where these guys are just like, they're just a class above everybody else. And he has to fall in that category as far as directors, oh, and sure. even with just, just that short collection of films. I don't know anybody that's to put together a run of movies like that. I really don't. I mean, no. like you, you, Tarantino may be the closest, right. Like, but right. he didn't just, he didn't just dig in off the map. You know what I mean? He's, he was acting in movies. He was writing, he wrote true romance, like, right. There. But at dinner, he, he, he just jumps in and is like, I'm here. And, and just very, very similar to Quentin. He takes his time and that's why he's just not putting out movies every, mm. every few months, or whatever, you know, you know, Tarantino has what, 10 films, 10, 11 films that he's yeah, directed. I know I he's had, yeah. had a lot of his hand in a lot of stuff, but I mean, he really, he enjoys the movie going experience. You can tell this is somebody who, who truly enjoys movies as much as he enjoys directing movies. And, and a lot of times you can, you can just really get that sense when it comes to entertainers in any regard, athletes, whatever, where these guys, you know, watch games, watch movies and are genuinely just, for example, the late great DMX who just passed recently. There's, there's several videos that have come out of him since he's passed of him enjoying other types of music. And he's just really, I mean, he's just like getting down to it, whatever, whether it be, you know, Right. Michelle Branch or whoever else, whoever else it is. I mean, he's really getting into it because he enjoys music. He didn't just enjoy hip hop. And so I think this is the kind of, this is the scenario with him where you can really tell he enjoys movies, movie making and that whole process. And that's why Absolutely. the completed product is, is, is always just off the charts. Chris, when you go going back, I don't want to stray too far from the Oscar snubs and going into, into this category, how did you feel this movie as far as when, and what it did win, what it did win, what it should have won. Where do you think this fell? Um, I actually agree a lot with Cole. I, I I think I might be on the side of saying I feel it was a little bit more deserving of best cinematography, only because I it's probably one of the top three best oh, looking movies I've ever seen. So it's like so it's, right. it'd be unfair. I'm I am a little bit biased. It's it's this portrait of a lady on fire, and if I sit here, I'll think of the third, but as some of the best 
movies I've seen just visually. So uh, certainly cinematography, visual effects, like looking into all the things they did with Denny getting the the script and like trying to decide between that and like living in secrecy and then getting it. And then like going up, I can't remember where he was, but he was up like in, at a resort in some mountains and he had it for two weeks and he asked Roger Deakins, Hey, I've got this, you know, I've got a Blade Runner sequel that I'm thinking of doing. And I, I want to have you on board to, you know, do the cinematography of it. And Roger Deakins comes up and it's Denny Villeneuve and Roger Deakins, like at a resort somewhere in some mountains for like three months. And as Denny is storyboarding and he's writing it, Roger Deakins on like another board drawing out and mapping out exactly what this is going to look like. As Denis Villeneuve is like, oh, let me write this new thing. Like, let me try to figure out exactly what I want to do. And Roger Deakins is like, all right, you figure it out. I'm going to figure out exactly what this is going to look like. So all of that, the work they did with miniatures and just all of those things, the, the lighting, the way it's framed. The whole like Vegas scene. Yeah, the Vegas scene, incredible. Unlike, you know, there's a, a dust storm, but you you still know it's Vegas somehow. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they explicitly tell you it's Vegas, but it's totally different than Vegas, right? Like, mm-hmm. You know, I lived there, but I knew just based on how things were set up, they were very different building structures, but y- you knew it was. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was a great, great cinematography. Uh, but I just can't get over the fact that they were flying like fucking airplanes and the camera wasn't moving. <laughs> like there were just still shots in a fucking airplane dogfight. And, uh, you know, I, I just that, that that just gets me. It gets me. Yeah, no, I feel you. They yeah, didn't bro. kill anybody on that film. So <laughs> that, that deserves an award itself. Dunkirk deserves an award because nobody died. Look, that pushed him over the edge, and that's why he used his big bucks to crash that airplane in Tenet. And, like, he didn't get the Dunkirk win. He's like, you know what? I'm going to use my one freebie, and I'm yeah, going to yeah. get an airplane and run into oh, an dude. actual building and see what happens. Yeah, but, they um, should get it this year. They should. Oh, man, I, I hope so. But, uh, yeah, and then it's that. And then, certainly, like you said, I, I think that he should have at least been nominated for Best Director because I think some of the things that hold this back to where – it you know could have caused it to flop a bit and why the general audience doesn't feel the same way that people like us might do. It's like you said, you can't just give this to anybody and be like, hey, here's this two right. and a half hour movie that has some scenes of no dialogue, no music, and there's also a lot of long panning shots where it's just Ryan Gosling staring into the camera for like, there's like a scene where it's like a solid 20 seconds of him not saying anything. It's just like superimposed on him. And to kind of have that working on what the camera's doing and how he's kind of emoting and how that's kind of working like that that's directing that's that's an incredible job of directing a movie that works in that way that feels boring to people who don't understand that these kind of long drawn out takes and just kind of the way that it's framed is very intentional and the pace that it kind of moves at can be like for however slow that a lot of people think it is i think it could have been a lot slower and possibly boring in the wrong hands like this is a case of got out of out of control quick I think Villeneuve, if we think back on Arrival and Sicario and Prisoner, he kind of works that way. Anyway, he has this very deliberate pace to all of his movies, I think. Maybe not as many have, you know, moments of just stillness and, and silence, but he certainly works at that kind of pace. So to take a movie like that and keep that same pace and kind of extend it, but to keep it so engaging, I'm like, that's that's a yeah. phenomenal job directing. I thought he would have at least been there. I, I don't, I'm like you, I don't think he probably would have won it. I probably would have some reserves about him winning it even though again it's one of my favorite movies of all time but certainly i'm i'm sitting there like he was it, it should have been there to me yeah and, and del toro won it right 
Um, yeah, yeah, he went that. Yeah. I was like, I wouldn't have given yeah. it to him over that. But also, but, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was in it that year for Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, um, yeah. Which it, neither of those films, I think, aged particularly well. Um, you know, I, not that they weren't good by any means. <clears> I'm not saying that. I just. I mean, I haven't, you know, nobody's called me up and been like, hey, man, have you watched The Shape of Water? You know, <laughs> right. I, mean, so I, I think that that, that you know, should kind of, you know, calculate into it. So, yeah. And, and it's weird, too. You, you talk about movies that were up for, for Best Picture or whatever else. And, and, and at the time, and I don't know hindsight 2020, but it's always interesting because when you do fast forward, in this case, you know, four years now and you see okay what movie what movie can we watch what movie can, that is streaming and not something i can just take out of my dvd case or whatever and watch this movie streaming and they're not you know and i think that right. speaks volumes to what people are asking for when it comes to what just watchability and what what is something that that can actually entertain more people than the other and i think that's why you have this movie that we can find readily available and others those others are not and I, yep. again let's just call just like you said not saying that they're not good movies but they are but whenever you whenever you're doing something like this you, I, we can pull this up right now and we're not going to do a shape of right. podcast i guess it could maybe happen one day um but yeah i mean best director that year definitely jordan peele we can move on Right. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Keep keep it rolling and we're good. So yeah, no, we're we're not doing I mean we'll do an Aquaman before we do a shape of water, if we're gonna be <laughs> honest. So <laughs> so But the one with the guy from Entourage in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that more entertaining, I think. So yeah, so as as far as watchability and all that, those movies that we can watch, we can pull this movie up right away and find it and while the HBO rest HBO Max, just, go watch it. And right now, what just drop what you're doing, go watch this movie. It'll be over before you know it, honestly. This we movie. want to hear your <laughs> once you, once you dive into it, once you dive into it, it, it flies by. But and, and it's gonna go going into like I said, finishing up Oscar subs or not. Were there any other fun facts, tidbits, snippets that you guys have that you want to throw in here at the end that we didn't touch on yet? Yeah, actually, so I actually got a I got a uh, a surprise category for y'all. We have not you know, we have not spoken about this beforehand, um, but I want you all to rank Gosling hotness movies. And where does this rank on oh. it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Top Chris, three hottest go. Goslings. Go. <laughs> oh, honestly, we, Chris, I'm going to let you start. But yes, our audience, we have not discussed this, but for my, my readiness for this category you would think we've been talking about this for six months because I'm all, I, I, <laughs> I knew you would be prepped even, even before I'm, I asked it and didn't tell you. Yeah, look, I mean, he might as well ask me my favorite Tennessee athlete. So this is something that this is right, right in my will. Down, down and into a lefty. He just threw a fastball right at my knees, and it is, it is in McCovey Cove. But Chris, I'll let you go first, and then I'll jump in. I mean, he looked good even after he put beat out of him, spot, and he was standing in the rain. <laughs> still looked good. Putting it in the sixth spot, the cinematography. I don't know, man. He he made Roger Deakins kind of framed and made him. He looked a little taller in this. Like Roger Deakins yeah, did a, a couple things. Like yeah, <laughs> he. I, I put this at six as far as like movies, how good he's looked. Uh, Number six. Yeah, yeah I would. I would throw oh, wow. it at six. Okay. All right. Wow. All right. Oh wow. He's got wow. the place okay. beyond the pines. I was gonna that people yeah, like yeah, the that's, weird that's beach blonde hair thing. Three. People are in yeah. love with that. Yeah, yeah. It's up that's, there. All the tattoos, man. Yeah, I would say yeah. all the tattoos. Cool shit. 
Do you want me to list off my other five? Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh okay, my bad, my bad. I know if you want me to list my bad, my bad. Leave it in. Leave it in. So we'll do that six. I'm going to throw first man at five. Something oh. about the traditional look that they gave him. Okay, Neil Armstrong. Let's huh? see. Uh, I don't know uh, if Chris was a. I thought he'd be more <laughs> of a Buzz Aldrin man myself, but all right. Four. We're gonna go with La La Land. Okay. Look, Good man, choice. he looked look kind of cool on the piano on that one scene. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and and was, a lot of great dancing. suits. A lot of great suits. A lot of great suits. Yeah. Let's see. Three. Um, three. We'll go with oh, what's someone with Steve Carell. Crazy Another stupid crazy love. stupid love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's number one, right, man? He was rocking the suit. Right? I'm sorry, you can't hate him. Great hair, number one. You can't hate him with a suit like that. The yeah. gift with the yeah. glasses thing. Yeah. What, what do you? What, what am I to do? I'm simply a man. What yeah, am I to do about that? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing. We're gonna go with drive at number two. Yeah, silk scorpion jacket. Yeah, look, it worked. It all worked. A lot of him. He's never been in a bad outfit. Now he's never been in a movie face. where he had a <laughs> the the wrench or the crowbar. The toothpick. Yeah, I mean, the toothpick. The was tooth- yeah, the toothpick yeah. was a phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then Good number call. one, the, like I said, place beyond the pine, bleach blonde, the tattoos. Yeah. Like, he didn't even look like Ryan Gosling. Sometimes when you look at him, you're like, this is the most non-Ryan Gosling you have ever looked. Like even he in kills the, it. The, yeah, like in the notebook with the beard, I'm like, yeah, that's still Ryan Gosling, though. Right, right. The hair, right, the right. tattoos. I don't think I've ever seen him have a look like that before. I'm like, yeah, that's a good look on Ryan Gosling. So that's, I got it at a solid six. Like I said, even when he gets the shit beat out of him, something about the, the blood he's got, he still looks pretty cool. Still he looks, has the yeah, band aid yeah. broken, not real nose. He makes that yep. look cool, too. It works. He brought it, it back. all works yeah. out. Key, yeah. top three. Brought nose band aids back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So top, so top three, three is definitely going to be placed beyond the pines because the weird, the weird tattoos, the hair, it all works. I mean, if it was a guy that I randomly bumped into at Walmart, I would be scared of him and, and like, no, I don't have any money for meth. But if he did it, I'd be like, yeah, I'd give, give you a ride to Batesville. i give you a ride to Batesville. No problem. Random stranger. <laughs> so <laughs> two, two is going to be drive it, just because it's not only the look, the, the jacket, the, the toothpick, but it's a, just his character in general. I mean, he's just Canadian like, tuxedo. Man, too. man of, Man of few words. He 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 told that guy at the diner that if he asked me any more questions, he's going to stump his mouth in. I mean, he, <laughs> he crushed a guy's skull in that elevator. You know, I mean, he could drive well. He he was going to beat up Christina Hendricks. You know, I mean, it's just like there's so many things. It's just it's like he it all worked. And then one is crazy stupid love, just because he was he was just an, an attractive consultant at that point. I mean, you don't even know what he did for work, but he pulled off. He pulled off a move with Emma Stone, and she, what she said, "What's your move?" And he showed her the move. Yeah. Like I don't want to show, yeah. but his his accent was coming out. The whole thing worked. So three to one. I mean, one is definitely crazy stupid love because he turned. I mean, he he made Steve Carell look attractive, and that's not to say Steve Carell's ugly, but he made Steve Carell it's, yeah, it's, desire, it's desirable. Hard to ask. And, and yeah. honestly, people were looking at him. It was just like he used to be with Michael Scott, and all of a sudden now he's this attractive guy who was pulling Marissa Tomei with no problem. So. Yeah, crazy super love, absolutely. Fellas, I got to give you credit. Always, I did not think anybody was going to be that ready. Like y'all were in there. Like, Chris, <laughs> Chris a, gave us a six. Chris had six I'm, going. He had six you know? ready. I'm offended. Yeah. I'm offended that you I was. I, I was hoping I'd get that. like one. You know, like no. one good film. But yeah, I got. I got to give. I was, gonna, I was. I was prepared to go back to his his Disney days. I was like, look, we yeah. can <laughs> we make we the Mickey Mouse Titans. Yeah, well, he was a liability at corner. All right, he, hey, but. Look, that, and that's why he, you can't rank them just because. Look, when you talk about 
talking about a running back out of the backfield scorching him. I mean, that yeah. drops him down to a six on the on the ten, on the scale of one to ten. He's he down peaked to a six later. Already. He peaked later. You know, if you put yeah, him in a movie now, he'd be a great running back. Just saying. He was listening to country music at the, at the camp in the summer. I, I couldn't get into that, but it, it all worked yeah. for sure. For sure. Any other, any, Chris, what you, what you got for us? And I know you have that this is a movie. You could, you could talk about the technicalities of this movie for the next two and a half hours. Anything else interesting you found with this? Because honestly, if I just watch this movie, then we talk about it afterwards. I, I would be expecting you to be listed as consultant in this movie whenever the credit <laughs> rolls. But what, what, what else in this he movie? He is, right? Besides, I, think, I, I think so. Honestly, I'm credited whenever he gave thanks to all the, all the, the, the filming sites. I could have sworn I saw his name at the end, but it was late at night. I might have been tired. Yeah, all the reports lie. It's it was me, Roger Deakins, and Denny Villeneuve up in them mountains. They just like to say Roger Deakins and Denny Villeneuve because you know those are big names. But I was there, like I was was the middle man. Yeah, of course I was. I was right in there. But uh, oh man, I I would just say like my my closing thoughts and my final thoughts on this are. I, I think it's weird. It kind of ends up in a really the three-way scene boat. was underrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's secretly, my favorite scene. I had to wait for someone else to admit to it first. But now yeah. that I'm not alone, oh, man, it's it really weirdly suffers from a lot of the same uh, pitfalls as kind of the first one, which is it's crazy. You know, forty years later, it kind of suffers the same way box office wise, and why the the general reception is a little odd on a lot of people maybe not getting it, a lot of people not being super invested and as time goes on it kind of becomes you know this bigger thing i don't think in 20 years blade runner 2049 will be a cult classic i think it's becoming a bit more mainstream and, and people are starting to appreciate Absolutely. it especially with hbo max it's on hbo max people hear that you know that blade runner sequel is really good and you know now people have a, a accessible way to just watch it because i've I've probably only seen it in store to buy maybe like two or three times. And one of the times I immediately bought it and it was on sale for like $7. Like this feels like a crime of some sort. You can't walk past it. There's been times I've walked past it. I'm like, do I need to get this? I'm like, oh wait, I've already got it. Yeah. Like, so, oh man, like it, it just kind of, I don't know. I I do. I kind of hate the way that it kind of, um, just the fate that it suffered a bit as somebody who will also say that I didn't go see it in theaters at the time. I think I had a good reason. I think I was in auction. I didn't have a way to the theater, so I couldn't have seen it. It was Trump's um, first year in office too. So yeah, a lot of dark, a lot right, of dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't need a lot of in film just then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and and honestly, <laughs> like without getting too off, uh, off topic on it, I, I do think that might've had something to do with the fact that this movie did not do as well as we thought it would, you know, 2017 was pretty rough, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it was heavy we, on we its were, own. Especially around this time, like we were, you know, it, the unexpected was there. Right. right. And, and not to get too, you know, I'm I, not trying to get too political, but things that we didn't think were going to happen were happening. And I don't know that the a reality film like was this, set I didn't watch a lot of movies in 2017. I'll be honest, <clears throat> even being a film buff that I am like, I, I think that might have had a lot to do with why it didn't do particularly well at the box office. Also, mm-hmm. I have like this is a random thought without getting too off topic, but I remember a few years back, like 2012, 2013, um, when uh, the we talked about Drive earlier. Nicholas Wan and Refn and Ryan Gosling were going to do a remake of Logan's Run uh, together, uh, and then the film got scrapped because there were rumors about the studio not being sure if Ryan Gosling could carry a big studio picture. Um, and at the time, I remember that 
just thinking crazy because I've had stock in Gosling since the very beginning. Like I just <laughs> thought he was going to be the biggest movie star on the planet. And he never really quite got to that. Like he's done great movies, the movies that he tends to do and do really well are movies kind of like La La Land are movies like Drive where there isn't that much big money, big, you know, publicity around the films and he crushes really good films. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I'm wondering if there actually might have been some sort of, uh, you know, reality to that. Like, if, I think so. If, if we take Brad Pitt and put him as K, does the movie do better? I think it, I, I think I think so, it yeah, probably I does. I don't think it's a better movie, but does it make more money on opening day? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, absolutely. it's like you said, like you've had stock in him since the very beginning. Of course, the three of us understand a guy, a talent like this when we see one. And, you know, yeah, he hasn't just become the biggest movie star in the world. I don't think he's reached Brad Pitt heights. Uh, no. You know, like you're saying, like he, he certainly has never reached those kind of heights, but I think people who generally understand movies and know him, know him beyond like, oh, that's a guy that everyone thinks is good looking. Like a lot of people's quintessential Ryan Gosling roles, like thinking about him in The Notebook, which I know that's that's big for the cultural impact and how popular it is yeah. in the mainstream. And, and of and course, but yeah, and it's like, and so I think a lot of people think of him same way kind of as Robert Pattinson. People don't watch a lot of the other phenomenal movies that he's in because he's, oh, he's the guy from Twilight. And so I think right, up right. until this most recent run of good films with La La Land and 2049 and, and First Man and some other things he's got coming, people are like, oh, the guy from the notebook that chick flick is going to lead a blade runner sequel. I'm cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm cool. So I, I definitely think that that also had a lot to do with it at the time. And it's weird because, you know, now that he's shifted the narrative a bit with the last run of movies, it has, like I said, it's been picking up a bit and streaming as well, but it's been picking up and I'm seeing more and more people give it a shot because like, Oh, Ryan Gosling is really good. You know, he was in La La Land and first man and all that. And they're finally giving it a chance. So there's a lot of stock in that statement too, I think. Yeah. And we didn't really even talk about him in best actor and we should have. Right. Yeah. Like he, he, right. he definitely I, yeah, he phenomenal he has the most, most screen time and he kills it. Right. And he brings it every, every, every scene. And even in scenes where he's supposed to not have emotion because he's a replicant, he has emotion and mm -hmm. he, and he portrays that. So, yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Um, and I, and, and for the record, I think he can carry uh, a studio yeah. picture. I just, Definitely. I wonder if there was that, that kind of thought to it. Um, yeah. So that's all I got, Keith. No, absolutely. So that, that was, that was phenomenal. Went as well as I thought it would, honestly, that was this, this, the, the, just, to me, to me, an absolute classic, a great movie, something that I can, even with the runtime, I can sit down and watch. And it is, it is really, really good. It really, it's really interesting. And just like Chris said earlier, the more you watch it, you just each scene carries more weight differently. Something that you didn't pay attention to at first, and that's that's how you know a movie is good because you just like re-listening to a song. And and while there may be different verses that speak to you differently in different stages of life, you watch a movie like this, and it just gets. It continues to be interesting. It continues to be good, and a scene that you didn't pay attention to a lot of like the first few watches, <laughs> right? You watch it this the the fourth or fifth time, and you're like, "Oh man, this scene is so much weighted now." But because I'm, I understand more because it just it just starts to make more sense, and it's it's absolutely great. This is this is this is a really really good movie that I I, I will watch. Awesome. Whenever, honestly, I, mean, I, I watch. I might put it on tonight. <laughs> We're talking yeah, about I mean, you honestly, excited. Though, I'm tempted to just like put it just, on. And that's what happens, man. You, you talk about it or you just a movie like this and you, you get into it, especially you may. I know in random conversation, you're not going to dive into it as much as we are now. But 
you get the juices flowing. You're like, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch this thing. And you, you get into it and then you're just like, golly, that was so, so good. But that's what we're going to do here on the stream team. We're going to watch a bunch of your favorite movies, a bunch of our favorite movies. Watch them with us. Watch. Yeah, absolutely. Watch them with us. We, we want to dive into the different directors, different, different genres, different, you know, follow paths of some of our favorites, some of the classics, but also movies that you can, like you said, stream anytime on some of your favorite streaming services. So this is on HBO Max currently. The next movie we're going to do, absolute classic streaming on HBO Max as well. Run me my check. The Dark Knight. And Netflix, that we too. Have all seen. And Netflix, yeah. It's on both. That I yeah. know a lot of us have seen several times, and I could sit down at any point in life if I'm scrolling through YouTube TV or whatever, and I see it, it's on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it on. It's a movie that yeah. I'm just gonna watch, regardless of where I pick it up. Typically, I pick up somewhere at the, the bank in the beginning, but that's just a movie that will be watched anytime. So be prepared you for that. Do watch it. that again. You got, you got to watch it with us. Watch it, watch it again in preparation. I'm sure a lot of us can quote this movie without any hesitation. But go ahead and watch it again, refresh. So whenever we do talk about it, you can say, "Yes, I love that scene too. I love this part too. I agree with this. I don't agree with that." So from us here, at the stream team, Chris Lowry, Cole Miller, myself, Keith Evans. Thank you much for listening to us, guys, and we will see you soon. 